hello there. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast with me, Samantha Hees, and that guy, Andy Randella. That guy? <laughs> that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. No, but... you're that guy. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to have some things of the week. Some spoiler-free reviews, and then we'll preview Samantha's pick for a big movie next week. It's going to be very exciting. I'm excited already. And dramatic. Well, I think we can uh, pull back the curtain a little bit and tell the people, because you told me what your thing of the week and pick for next week were going to be. Could you tell us what they are? Oh, yeah. I was going to do A Walk to Remember and Chase Darkness with me. And then I informed you, we you already chose Chase Darkness with me. Chase Darkness with me? That's yeah. what it's called? Yeah. Oh. But I informed you that you've already chosen Chase Darkness with me yes. on a previous episode, and you talked about it because you enjoyed it. And I've already seen A Walk to Remember, so it uh, made you reevaluate things at the last minute. But I then just scramble. You choose everything at the last minute. I think about it for days and then don't make a decision. And then I decided the last minute. So yes, you're correct. So why don't you kick things off? What is your new and improved thing of the week? My new and improved thing of the week is a series that I probably should have watched like 10 years ago. Although I don't think it's that old. Um, it's Downton Abbey. Or perhaps two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Do you remember when I said, hey, let's watch Downton Abbey. I want to see it. We should watch it together. Maybe we could do it on the podcast. And you said... No. Yeah. <laughs> so... I had watched the first episode like three times at that point and thought I was just never going to get into it. So what's changed since then? What made you want to watch it this time? Um. Well, I've watched a few other kind of like period dramas... You watch almost exclusively period dramas. Yes. For dramas, you only watch period dramas. And then you watch modern shows about, like, a sassy woman in the business world. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> sassy women and women in corsets. That's, that's my that's my little genre of Those shows are the two things like. you like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't really know what changed, but I needed something to watch while I was working from home and I thought well you know if I'm not like super into it like the last couple times I've tried to watch it that's fine because I'm just going to be working anyway and then I ended up really liking it. So what's Downton Abbey for those of us who don't know? It is a British historical drama set in like the year that the Titanic sinks. What year is that? Um, I don't know. It's odd that you mark time by which boats sink that year. You're like, how old are you? Oh, I'm Lusitania sinking plus four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. How old are you? Oh, I'm Exxon Valdez. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, it starts in 1912 and goes until 1926. Okay. Yeah. As soon as I said Titanic sinking, I realized I had no idea what year that happened. But you're a big Titanic fan. I assumed you have all your Titanic facts. No, I don't remember facts very well. Facts are for suckers, especially dates. Exactly. So it is six seasons in total. Um, they do a Christmas special every year, which I think is kind of more of a British thing. 
And it stars some pretty big British actors like Maggie Smith. Can you do a Maggie Smith impression? No, she's so cross all the time. Oh, she's a real grump? And like stern. Maybe stern is a better word than cross. But mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's like the matriarch of the family and is just like, she knows the best for everybody. That's that's how she is. She's the matriarch of this abbey? Of this abbey, yes. And it's downtown? Is that where the abbey no, is? No, it's Downton. That's just how you say downtown in British, no? No, it's downtown. spelled differently. That's how I say it. Like, oh, where are you going today? I'm going downtown. <laughs> I go Danton every day. Yeah. Um, it also stars Hugh Bonneville. Uh, it has Rose Leslie, who was in Game of Thrones. She played Egret. And she was the wildling. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Does she marry Jon Snow? Uh, no, she was supposed to, and then she dies. Right. Um, but in real life, didn't they get married or something? Yes, yes, they did. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking only in context of the show. Right. But, um, yeah, they do eventually. Uh, it's got Lily James and our friend from a couple episodes ago, Matthew Good. Oh. <clears throat> is he better in this? He is, actually. He's He plays a very convincing... Um, he's a car racer. A car racer? <laughs> yeah. Um... And uh, he's, like, not from an aristocratic family, but falls in love with uh, their oldest daughter. And his accent work here is better than in Leap Year, that terrible he, Irish yes, accent? Yes, because he's trying to be English, and he is English. He doesn't say fiddle-dee-dee all the time? <laughs> Only once. Okay, that's, that's enough. That's a good amount to say it. Yeah, so it's got some actors that I definitely recognize from other things that I've watched that are set in this time and uh wait these actors only do period stuff some of them yeah huh like Maggie Smith doesn't do a lot of like like, contemporary many British actors can make their entire career just doing period I think so it's like all PBS and like what is the British BBC BBC yeah it's like all period pieces yeah and they get so good at it I feel like it's like a skill doesn't Kiera Knightley only do period stuff now? I think she's turned into one of them. Yeah, I think And so. she was like big time Hollywood. And she's like, no, you know what? I'm not doing anything after 1910 from now on. <laughs> um, Maybe she did. She sat down one day and was like, I was really good in Pride and Prejudice. I'm just going to stay there. So um, this show is really nice because it moves at like a pace where you don't feel like it's too slow, but you get to really like experience the story from all points of like all of the characters, which is really cool. So they go through and it starts the day that the news that the Titanic has sunk um, and uh, they lose two members of their family on the Titanic. And then um, as it goes on, there's uh, the First World War and the changing of kind of the way that British houses are run in that time. So as the people come back from the war and they realize that like their way of life is now kind of old fashioned. So is this a family drama? It kind of follows one family through the It follows, yeah, it follows the Crawleys and the mom and dad of this family are Lord and Lady Grantham. So they have like a title and this big house and then they have three daughters and um, 
like a whole bunch of servants who run the house. And so you get to see what's happening in the servants' lives as well as upstairs where the family lives. So it's kind of neat how they interact and how like the family does do um, some really nice things for their servants and uh, kind of help them along in life. So this series is on Amazon Prime. I know it was on Netflix for a little bit, but I don't think it's on there anymore. I didn't check. Um, And uh, it's all available without like any of the fancy subscriptions that they have. Um, It's like I said, it's six seasons um, and I finished it in about a week and a half. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot of Abbeying. Yeah. I I was... uh, I was watching it in big chunks while I was working too, so I'd watch like four or five hours a day. Who's your favorite character on the show? Um, I think I liked the oldest daughter, Mary, who is supposed to take over the title when she marries the next like boy in their family who's not super related to her. When you when Just I say kind like of related, they're kind of they're cousins, but they're like distant cousins that I've never actually met. Um, Kissing cousins. Yeah. They're not that related. They're pretty related. Um, we have this thing where we're like, oh, people from the South marry their cousin. <laughs> but then we're like, oh, British people do it, but it's classy. <laughs> I'm not saying it's classy. But just not you, but like in the world. Yes. No, you're right. There is definitely a double standard there. Just like when I said I was excited for us to buy a house and I was like, I don't even like drink beer much anymore but i want to have drink a beer on my stoop and you're like you can't drink a beer on the stoop and i said what if i drink a cosmo in the front yard steps and you're like oh well, yeah that's nice <laughs> yeah it is it's all about wording yeah stoop sounds bad i love a good stoop though um so i like mary the best because she is very family bound and she she's knows... a real family bound <laughs> oh my god stop <laughs> Let me just talk about the show. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so she's very family-bound. She knows that it's her duty to make sure that the title is handed on to the next generation. And uh, um, she and her sisters also become nurses during the First World War when they turn that abbey into a convalescent home. That's fun. Yeah, so you kind of see how um, these women are like the last of the like post-Edwardian era and they're learning how to kind of take on more modern roles which is kind of neat and uh learn to kind of cast off the rigidness of like the aristocracy 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 rigidity of the aristocracy (laughs) oh that's a tough one But it's fun. Rigidity of their aristocracy. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, okay. And one of the daughters marries their chauffeur. Another one marries a journalist and has a baby out of wedlock. And uh, the family has to kind of step away from the way that things have always been done. And then kind of just realize that, like, family is more important than... Um, being perfect, I guess. So would you say that like major themes of the show are like the ends of traditions or how to bring those traditions into a different world, a new yeah, world? Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I that, that was a way better way of putting it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's definitely 
the turn into like a whole new lifestyle and uh there's a lot of comments about like oh before the war we could never have done this or like before the war I wouldn't have even been seen doing this so it's kind of neat to see and then um the fashion in this is incredible because they dress up for dinner every night so there's always like evening gowns and um the styles go from very uh like classic almost Edwardian dress to um like the 1920s like lower waistlines baggier clothes shorter skirts and uh pants eventually so and is this show all finished now yes it is finished there's a movie apparently that i haven't seen um but other than that it is it's done So outside of people who like British period pieces or things set in this time in general, who should watch this? Um, People who like history. I think it's got some really neat perspectives on when things were happening, um, like with the war. And this is all like pre-Hitler. So there's a couple mentions of him um, when he goes to jail and that kind of thing. So it's kind of neat to see like history kind of building to things that we already know happen. And uh, so I think if you enjoy history or fashion or like me, just like a good British period piece, then I think you'll like this show. I remember when the show was like still being released, everyone was so excited for the Downton Abbey movie. And I was just like, Downton Abbey's boring. Because <laughs> at that point, I had attempted to watch it and not been interested at all. So I think it's worth giving a few episodes to before making a decision. All right. Downton Abbey is available on Amazon, probably some other places too. Yeah. So, Indy, what is your thing of the week? I heard you, like, stopping and starting music really rapidly on the couch today, so. Oh, yeah. I was uh, preparing for this because my thing of the week is the eponymous 1972 album by Samande. wish you could see the dance that Indy was doing while that was playing. <laughs> it was very good. Um, this sounds cool. So, as you know, I like a lot of soul music, and I've been listening to a lot more of that. And I finally joined the rest of you in the present and started listening to music streaming rather than just getting albums always. Yes. So I definitely see the appeal now because I like a lot of soul. So I was listening to my Al Green and Otis Redding and Clarence Carter because those are some of my favorite guys. Mm -hmm. But then through the magic of Spotify, they suggest other things. (laughs) And I really wanted to get more into psychedelic soul. But those records aren't easy to find. And I'm not going to drop like 60 bucks on a vinyl album. So I started listening to the psychedelic stuff. And then, of course, that gets into funk, like uh, Parliament and Funkadelic. You know, you're a big P-Funk fan, right? Oh, huge. Can't stop me from listening to that P-Funk. There you go. Uh, But then I got into this band, Samande. And it's spelled C-Y-M-A-N-D-E. And it's the Calypso word for dove, hmm. because it symbolizes peace and love. Oh, I like when we learn new languages. And dove is the name of the song that we are listening to right now. 
it's an 11 minute song so it starts off like really meandering and then it ramps up and I love songs that do that. So Samande formed in the early 1970s in London, England. Oh, we have two, two British things oh, going yeah. on. British but day. They're not so British because uh, all of their members were immigrants from different Caribbean and uh, West African countries but they all met in London and formed this band. They released three albums before breaking up in 1974, but every like 15 years or so, they get together and do like a new album. So there was one in the 80s and one in the 2000s. Oh, nice. But I haven't actually listened to those yet. I'm just on this first album and I love it so much that I just, <laughs> I, it's in heavy rotation. Repeat. <laughs> So they are like a really eclectic mix of the music they do. There's lots of funk, there's lots of soul, there's reggae, there's rock, a lot of traditional West African influences, uh, calypso, jazz, and sometimes the songs are just one or the other. And then a lot of the times the songs will like transition from one to the other mm -hmm. or just incorporate elements from each of them to make mm -hmm. something that's unique to me at least because I of course wasn't alive during this time but I just don't know these influences very well so it's a it's a real like learning experience and it's nice when you're learning about something and then you find an album and you're like oh this is just all great <laughs> it's also rare to find an album that you like all the songs on I like the sound of it it seems very calming but dancey yeah, a lot of their like, stuff is real, together, real yeah. smooth <laughs> like that. So uh, this album, which is the self-titled one and that I love so much, came out in 1972. I'll play now my favorite song, which is called Listen. Listen, brothers. This has got a lot to do with it. And my sister. I like that one a lot. It's so like smooth, but kind of funky too. I feel like I've heard it before. Well, I play this a lot in the car. No, 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 but I mean like before that. I feel like I've heard that song. I feel like I've heard it in like a movie or something. Oh, maybe. Maybe yeah. they're bigger than I realize. Like I've heard it out in the world somewhere and enough that I like kind of knew the words to it. Oh, maybe they're super famous, and then I think I found this like hidden <laughs> like, gem. gem. But yeah. everyone's like, "No, we all know them. <laughs> they toured with the Beatles." <laughs> um, yeah, like now it's gonna bug me because I don't remember what it's from. But yeah, I've definitely heard that song before elsewhere. There were eleven different musicians on this album, so that they're, they're a big kind of collective, and they play all sorts of different instruments. There's saxophone, flute bongos and congas drums bass guitar all of that good stuff but there's a good bit of variety and although i love this really smooth stuff i like some of their upbeat stuff as well like on this album they have a, a traditional rastafarian folk song as well oh cool I could see dancing like 
at an outdoor stage watching her. Yeah, back when we could have concerts and stuff, we would always go to Folk Fest, and some of it's my favorite stuff <laughs> we would hear is we would get, oftentimes, actually, it was a lot of West African stuff mm-hmm. that I would really get into. So I guess there's just a lot of sounds like that that I find pretty appealing, but that song's a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely think that this is something that you could be wandering past one of the stages at Folk Fest and just hear. And you're like, wait a minute, and this is amazing. wander around the stage with your lemonade and sit in the sun and watch them dance. One day, when we have concerts again. So are they still making music? Not really. They get together every couple of years, but some of the members have since passed away, Mm. so it's not going to be the same. But I'm going to start listening to their newer things as well. But I've been loving this one so much that it's on heavy rotation. (laughs) So I like those fun ones. There's lots of jazzy stuff on it. But I think what I love the most are those really smooth instrumentals. And I'm going to play one more song. And appropriately, it's called One More. like my perfect Sunday afternoon driving kind of song. Yeah, it's very chill. Yeah. I like it. So what do you think of this kind of music? Because I, I think, think it's like legitimately so good. I think it's very, very good. I could I could imagine playing this um, like having dinner with friends or something. Like it's like really nice, like chill kind of like music that you can, it kind of like builds an atmosphere. You can like talk over it, but you're still like feeling the the groove tunes i think this is for uh for vibing oh vibing is that a type of dance (laughs) (laughs) yep hi i'm 900 (laughs) (laughs) we our ages if you don't know specifically must seem so different because you often skew very young because all your movies are from like 2020 and i skew very old we're both technically just older millennials. We are elder millennials. When it comes to getting vaccinations, I'm considered a millennial. And yet on um, this, I'm always talking about how great music was in the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah, people must think that you're like 55 yeah. and I'm like 21. But it seems very strange to me. What I don't get is, why is it that everyone's favorite music is whatever was popular when they were 20 through 25? Oh, yeah. Almost everyone. Yeah. Even when they're when they're much older, they're 50. Well, what's your favorite stuff? It's the stuff that was big when they were in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I get that that's a very formative time for it you. It is. And that's when you have your most freedom. You can listen to whatever you want. You're doing what you want. And I think my very favorite stuff, like I still think White Stripes are my favorite mm-hmm. band ever. And that's what I was listening to then. But it seems so odd that people don't branch out because mm-hmm. there's so much music out there. And maybe you're going to discover like, oh, you know what I like? is a psychedelic soul from the early (laughs) 70s. But you wouldn't know unless you give everything a shot. True. um, Not only is Samande's album, Samande, and all of their other stuff my thing of the week, but maybe it's go listen to something that you might not think you like. Just go on Spotify and pick a genre. Because they always have those playlists that are like, this is Eastern Europe. Sure. I don't know. (laughs) 
And then I'm sure you'll discover something that you've never heard before, but you like it. Yeah, like not too long ago, I got really into uh, Somalian folk music. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I wouldn't know that. Because why would you think of all the time that music has existed, or recorded music, even just the last hundred years, why would you think that the best stuff is the stuff that was just fed to you on the radio? Mm -hmm. There's so much more out there. Go check it out. Go learn, be. Go learn, be. Groove. Go learn, be groove. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you can check that out on Spotify or go buy the album, which I'm going to do because I kind of I like physical media for things that I love. You do. That's why we have custom built CD shelves. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're lucky I didn't bring all my vinyl. <laughs> I know. No, I like vinyl. I'll when we have a house. Yes, we'll have like a little vinyl corner. Yeah. Um, You heard it here, folks. (laughs) We're going to have a vinyl corner. So this is probably only interesting to you and I. And I guess we talked with Galen about this. But I want to have like, we're going to have a house and there's just the two of us. We have room to choose what we do. So I totally want like an early 70s like listening room type Mm -hmm. thing. Beanbag chairs, big tin can headphones and just listening to that and you know, doing whatever else makes you feel like you're in that time period, listen to that kind of music. Yeah. Just hang out. I just want like a cozy corner full of pillows that I can just like sink into. Yeah. And listen to some some Samande. Some groove tunes. Well, that sounds great. Let's do that. But until then, it's time. Samantha, what are we going to be watching for next week? Okay. So here's, here's a couple questions for you. You like romantic comedies, yes? I like 2% of romantic comedies, but I love that 2%. My favorite movie, perhaps, is a romantic comedy. Mac and Me? (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe two of my top five favorite movies are romantic comedies, and Chungking Express and Roman Holiday. Hmm. You like time travel movies, right? I used to hate them. Because I hate time paradoxes. Yeah. And they're just full of time paradoxes. But I love a good time travel movie. The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Good amazing. Yeah. Now I'm worried that you're not going to like this movie at all. Um, do you like movies from the year 2006? I'm just going to say yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are going to be watching the 2006 romance slash fantasy as the internet tells me Mm -hmm. uh the lake house oh the lake house yeah with keanu reeves and sandra bullock yes you got a little british there (laughs) (laughs) because i couldn't remember if it was sandra or sandra so i just split the difference and said sandra but kind of british (laughs) i like it Sandra Bullock. i think you should talk like that more it's a good it's a good uh voice do you really think i need to add more voices into my day-to-day repertoire there's already too many i think yeah you're probably right (laughs) (laughs) um so yes this movie does star keanu reeves and sandra bullock it's also got christopher Plummer in it and um I'm kind of excited to see it again because I think I saw it in theaters in 2006 when it was released, and I haven't seen it since. Hmm. So I know, like this podcast, I'm a real, real bully this episode because you pick two things, and I was like, well, you already did the one, and I've seen the other. And now you picked The Lake House, which you saw in theaters and not since. Mm-hmm. We've watched this movie together. Have we? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, very soon after me moving in here, it was one of actually the first movies we watched when I uh, 
installed this TV and sound setup. Oh, really? Yeah. But I remember this distinctly because I wasn't taking this movie seriously. (laughs) And you thought it was very serious. And I said, this is a movie about a time-traveling mailbox. I cannot take it seriously. I do vaguely remember you saying that to me. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I had picked it. I was saying, like, hey, I'm all going to watch this. Do you want to watch it with me? And then you came because you love uh, Keanu. I do love Keanu. I think you and him at that point of your life when you were a teenager, I might have been the same way with Sandra Bullock. Oh, really? Like 13, 14-year-old oh, me? I, I was, was really into Sandra Yeah, Bullock. I was so into Keanu Reeves. Because that was like speed, demolition mm-hmm. man. Those th- Like when you're 13, that's a pretty fucking good movie. Yeah. I definitely think that Keanu Reeves, like... This film, Something's Gotta Give, when he was doing, like, the romantic comedies. Something's Gotta Give? Is that the Jack Nicholson? Yes, yeah. Huh, I kind of forget that movie altogether. But anyways, back to the lake house. So (laughs) I don't want to take over this. So why don't you tell me why I should watch the lake house and why you love it? I feel like you set me up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not happy. I feel like you set me up here. But first, though, do you think this is, like, an actual good movie? Or do you think it's, like, a fun burlesque-type movie? I think it's a fun, like, burlesque-type movie. Because I don't think it's going to make sense. And I think that you're not going to enjoy the level of time travel that they do. And I think that um, the only reason it has a happy ending is because they... Well, don't go, don't ruin the ending. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to say anything else. But, I mean, I think it's just because they needed it to sell... So tell tell the people what you remember, why you think you may love this movie. Because <laughs> this podcast is called, I think I may love this, perhaps you <laughs> shall as well. <laughs> yeah, shortened down a little bit, but yeah. So I liked that it was two people who were in very like solitary times in their lives and they move into this very cool house. It is a very cool house. Um, it's like on stilts over the lake, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lake like house. completely see-through. I think his dad was an architect or something? I think he's an architect. Oh, maybe both. Maybe both. But yeah, so they leave each other notes through a mailbox, which is kind of fun. It's yeah. a different take on, like, You've Got Mail or any of those, like, long-distance romance movies. Some of the things that I found very cool about this movie are the production things that uh, they did to make it happen um so the lake house is actually on a wildlife preserve um and uh they had to build the house flood the space to make it look like a lake because it wasn't actually a lake and then they had to completely take away the house after they made the film and replaced it with a dock they flooded a wildlife preserve yeah or like some that grounds. seems not like a good thing yeah i don't know but they couldn't leave the house there they weren't allowed to leave the house there but then they just left the lake there it seems like the lake would have more of an effect than yeah flooding a habitat definitely seems like it would have more detrimental issues i also thought it was cool that it's based off of a korean film um from 2000 called il mare which i'm probably not pronouncing that properly (laughs) Um, it was from 2000 and it's, uh, basically based on the same thing, except for that I think it's on the ocean. Um, 
So I think it's kind of neat that they adapted it to be uh, in a different country. So this movie also got some pretty like mediocre reviews, but also some really good reviews. There's some funny, um, like it's a funny mix of reviews. A lot of them are like 50% of people liked it. And then from like some actual critics, it got like three and a half out of four. Hmm. So it's like very mixed, which makes me think that I think it'll be good because I feel like it's a very specific person who likes this kind of movie. What do people who love it have to say? Why do people love this movie? Um, it's romantic. It's nice to like look at because of the like set of the lake house. Um, <laughs> Roger Ebert called Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves enormously likable. <laughs> They're very likable. Yeah. And I think that that's something that helps this movie is because they do, they're believable together. But are they even together? I don't know. Like, they, it, it, it's a relationship that you can, like, point. imagine in your head. Sure. Yeah, because we, like, we loved it in Speed, right? Exactly. So I think that also they just have good chemistry. So it's easy to believe that uh, that they could get together in the end. So we'll have to watch this movie and see how many stars out of four we give it. And if it is enormously likable. They are enormously likable. This movie is just 50% likable, apparently, according to the reviews. So, Indy, are you excited to watch this movie again? I really am. Okay, well, since we've both seen it, we probably don't need to watch a trailer. So we'll link one in the show notes. And uh, the movie isn't available a lot of places. I think if you have one of the special subscriptions on Prime Video, then you can watch it there. But um, it will also be in that magical uh, Google Drive that we keep all of our uh, movies in that they just appear as we release our episodes. So we will see you next week when we talk about what we thought of The Lake House. Or have we already seen it? Or will we see you in many weeks? Or have those weeks already passed? One of us might be from the future. Who knows? If you're listening to this two years in the future, watch out. Yeah, look out behind you right now. (laughs) Okay, we'll see you next week. quit the podcast.